Uh, I'm excited to be starting a new message series today called Off the Hook. And uh, what we're going to be talking about for the next seven weeks is how to forgive totally. How to forgive totally. And, and if you're anything like me, you have been hurt sometime in your life. And somebody has wounded you at a deep place. And uh, you've come to the place to realize, maybe, or maybe today you will come to realize, that it's important to forgive the person who has hurt you. And it's kind of been interesting this last week. I think this topic is kind of touching a nerve in our church family. I've had more conversations this week and email responses and all kinds of stuff. People saying, this is for me. I have got to learn to forgive. And so I'm really excited. I'm glad that you're here. And if you just randomly came to Connect Church today, I am really praying today that you will leave with some information that will help you and transform your life as you move forward in your relationships. Uh, Chris and I just this last week celebrated five years of living in the Gallatin Valley, and we're just really excited about that. Uh, We moved the first week of September 2007, and uh, this week as I've been reflecting on that move and what a change it was in our lives, and, and as I've been studying this topic of forgiveness, I've also been remembering what was happening in my heart and my life five years ago. Uh, not long before we moved to the Gallatin Valley, someone who was very close to me had done something that hurt me uh, probably as deeply as I've ever been hurt in my life. And uh, when we moved to Bozeman, it was kind of good. We didn't move here because of that hurt. But uh, when we moved here, it kind of felt good to be away from everything that reminded me of that deep wound. And yet at the same time, it seemed like everywhere I went, something reminded me of how I'd been hurt. And it was like there was this hole in my heart that was just constantly bleeding and something would happen or I would see something that reminded me of that person or, or somebody would say something or say the person's name and all of a sudden that experience would well up again in my memory and, and, and I'd start feeling all of those emotions again and, and, and I, I was just agonizing over this whole thing. We were in the process of starting a church from scratch, Connect Church, of course, and and I knew that if I'm going to lead people, it was absolutely necessary that I master the spiritual discipline of forgiveness. I had to let this person who had hurt me off the hook, but it was difficult. It was really, really difficult. And I can remember many nights laying awake, playing the tape in my head over and over again of how that person had hurt me. And, and then my mind would go to the next level where I'd be imagining what I wish would happen to that person who hurt me, that I wished he would feel the pain that I felt. And it was very difficult. And then it got even harder because shortly after Chris and I moved here, that person who hurt me so deeply hurt another member of my family in a really similar way. And so it was like the wrong just kept continuing and being perpetuating. And it was a deep struggle for me. But listen, if you've ever struggled the way I have, you know that when you live in forgiveness, and this was my experience, when you live in unforgiveness and you refuse to let go of the bitterness and you refuse to let go of the anger, you find eventually that the person you're hurting the most is yourself. And that was something that I was coming to grips with, that if I couldn't let this go, I was just going to become a bitter, angry, wrinkled-up old person. 
or a really bloated big old person because I was also feeding <laughs> my pain with food, right? And, and, and that's something, you know, you just end up hurting yourself. But then I came to this realization that not only was I hurting myself, but when I was living in unforgiveness and bitterness, I was grieving God's Holy Spirit. Let me read a, a verse of scripture to you from the book of Ephesians. And if you've got your note cards... Uh, that you picked up. Uh, This is printed out on your note card. Ephesians chapter 4, we read this verse. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now that's a great verse, and it's an important verse, but then it goes on to tell us what grieves the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Do you know what malice is? Malice is when you're wishing something bad would happen to somebody else. That's what malice is. Paul says you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God if all of those things are in your life. But then he goes on to say, instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another, And this is the kicker, in the same way as God, through Christ, forgave you. You see, I came to the realization that not only was I hurting myself by living in unforgiveness, but I was grieving the Holy Spirit. And it was imperative that I learn to let go. Now, here's what I know. If you're more than 12 or 13 years old, which describes just about all of us in this room, You've been hurt. We've all been hurt in one way or another. Perhaps you have been the victim of an unfaithful spouse. Your husband or wife has not fulfilled their marriage vows to you. Or maybe you were raised with an abusive parent. Or maybe you've been hurt by something that's been done to your son or your daughter that has grieved you maybe even more than them. Or maybe you're here today and there's been a church leader who has abused his spiritual position and has wounded you deeply. Or maybe there's somebody in your life who has lied to you or lied about you and it's had really devastating consequences in your heart. Or maybe the person that's hurt you most is somebody who has believed a lie about you. I mean, really, the possibilities are endless for who Uh, has wounded us that we need to forgive. There's rapists and there's child abusers. There's murderers. There's relatives that were not loving as they should have been. Maybe you've got a former close friend who has become your enemy and it hurts. Uh, Probably one of those scenarios describes your situation. And what do we do when we've been hurt? We fantasize about what it would like, be like to get even, don't we? It, it just controls our minds. What would it be like when they get theirs? What would it be like if I could carry out my own vengeance? Can you relate to that? We go there, don't we? And we play that over and over and over in our minds. And forgiveness is difficult Today, I don't want to minimize at all the hard work that it takes to truly forgive somebody totally, but, but it's possible for us to do. 
But one of the things that's most difficult, and this has been my experience as well, it's really hard to forgive people who have hurt us, especially if they don't feel the slightest twinge of conscience. And you've probably experienced that too. In fact, a lot of times in my experience, the people that I have needed to forgive really don't believe that they've done anything wrong. They don't apologize. They don't ask for forgiveness. And yet we are eaten alive by bitterness if we don't choose to forgive them anyway. But a lot of times that's the situation we find ourselves in. They don't feel remorse. Well, you know what, friends? That's exactly the situation that Jesus found himself in. And uh, if you've got your Bibles with you today, or if you use an electronic device, I want to invite you this morning to turn to the book of Mark chapter 15. And I want you to see how Jesus treated the people who misused and unjustly treated him. Mark chapter 15, and I'm going to start reading at verse 12. If you didn't get uh, note cards, we'll have some people walking up and down the aisles just in case. If you don't mind grabbing those, and you can raise your hand as the guys come by if you need a note card. All right, Mark chapter 15, are you there? Jesus has been arrested and is now standing in the courtyard, in the courtroom, really, of a man by the name of Pilate. And Pilate said to his accusers, What shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And his accusers cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has this man done? And and if if you notice carefully, Pilate here is arguing for the innocence of Jesus. The people want him to be crucified. They want him to be executed. Capital punishment. But Pilate has interviewed them and he is completely aware this man, Jesus, is not worthy of capital punishment. But they're shouting, crucify him. Verse 15, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, who should have been executed in place of Jesus. And then he scourged Jesus and delivered him to be crucified. It was unjust. It was not fair. Jesus didn't deserve this. Verse 16 says, The soldiers led him away inside the palace, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And then it wasn't enough that Jesus is going to be unjustly executed, but now they're going to mock him. And so it says they clothed him in a purple cloak, They twisted together a crown of thorns because he had called him the king of the Jews. They put it on him and they began to mockingly salute him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. Have you ever had somebody spit on you? I don't know if there's anything more humiliating than when someone spits on you. And that's what they were doing to Jesus. Verse 20 says, when they had mocked him, then they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming into the country to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. And then they crucified him. And, And I would just interject here. One of the things that they did when they crucified people 
is they would strip them buck naked and hang them on a cross and they would be hanging there, dying, exposed for all the world to see. And although the crucifixions we see in churches and in artwork all over the world always depict Jesus with a nice modest loincloth, the reality was he probably was completely exposed. It was humiliating besides being completely unjust. And it says that once they crucified him, they divided his garments among them and cast lots for them because they wanted to take his clothing. It was the third hour. The inscription against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you were to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. And come down from the cross. Do you hear the mocking that is coming from these people? The chief priests and the scribes also mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe, mocking the power that he had, but he was choosing not to use. And then it said, To add insult to injury, those who were crucified with him also reviled him. I can't think of a more humiliating thing that could happen to a human being besides the fact that Jesus was the Son of God, the creator of the universe. Now Luke's gospel adds another detail that I think is so significant to this story. Luke tells us in his narrative of the crucifixion of Jesus that during the process, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That blows my mind. During the humiliation, during the unjust execution, Jesus prayed that his father would forgive them because they ultimately didn't know what they were doing. And this is what I want you to know today. Jesus modeled total forgiveness for us when he let his executioners off the hook. Jesus modeled it for us. And if we're ever going to master forgiving people who have hurt us, we've got to understand what the forgiveness of Jesus looked like so that we can live our lives in a similar way. Let me give you a very simple definition of what total forgiveness is. All right, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Total forgiveness is letting the person who hurt you off the hook. All right, now that's very simplistic, and I'm going to go into a little more detail, but just as a, as a thumbnail sketch, total forgiveness is letting the person who hurt you off the hook. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Chris and I went fly fishing with our good friends, Casey and Lindsay uh, Craigle, and uh, I've known them for several years, and, and, and Casey's talked for a long time about taking us floating and 
And uh, so we, we got together on a Saturday afternoon and we went down to the Yellowstone River and we began floating the river. And Casey asked me, Russ, have you ever gone fly fishing? And I was raised in a family that did a lot of fishing when I was growing up, but I've always done lake fishing and it was always with bait or with lures or that kind of stuff. I've never had an opportunity to go fly fishing. So I was so excited that Casey would offer to teach me how to fly fish. So we're in his big raft and Chris was on the back. I was kind of in the front. Casey was rowing and his his wife Lindsay and, and uh, little Quinn were sitting kind of in the middle. And so Casey was teaching me how to cast one side and then cast to the other. And I'm, you know, doing this thing and trying to look just like Brad Pitt, you know. And, um, and I was thinking I was looking pretty good. Had my swag on, Bruce. Um, and, and Chris says, Chris says to Lindsay, who's sitting right in the middle of the boat, Chris says, Lindsay, have you ever gotten snagged by one of those flies as they're going whizzing past your head? And Lindsay said, no, I've never been hooked by a fly ever before. And before the day was over, she'd been snagged three times by my fly. Um, <laughs> I wasn't quite Brad Pitt that day, but I was doing my best. But before we started, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little nervous, you know, can I really do this? And, and Chris said, uh, do you think Russell will catch a fish? And Casey said, I guarantee you, Russ is going to catch a fish today. And sure enough, it wasn't very long floating down the river and I'm casting my fly and I don't look particularly good, but the fly is just effective. And before long, I've got a fish hooked on that, on that fly. And I, and I reel it in and we're all excited. And Chris is squealing. He's never caught a fish before. He's never caught. And I have, but <laughs> not in front of her. And... Uh, <laughs> And so we get that little fish in the net, and, and, and then I'm struggling to get the hook out of his mouth, right? Those of you that are fishermen, you know, th- those hooks have barbs on them, right? And they, they, they're strong. Those barbs hook in the, in the fish's mouth, and it's tough, you know? So the first little fish that I got, you know, and we, we wanted to release the fish. We weren't going to keep him and eat him. And, and so the first one, I got the hook out pretty quickly, and I dropped him in the water, and, and he swam away. And then I caught another fish, and this one, the hook was really in a tough place. And so I'm squeezing this fish, and it was a little white fish, and he was slimy, you know, and he was, you know flailing around and I'm, I'm trying to hang on to him and get the hook out and so I'm squeezing really tight and all of a sudden the fish goes <laughs> and I'm twisting and, and I finally get the hook out and throw him in the water and he just goes immediately belly up and sunk to the bottom of the river and, and, and I just feel bad you know and Casey isn't really teaching me how to unhook a fish he's just working on the and I third fish I caught the same thing. He just goes belly up. Well, I now understand. I've learned since then that when you're, when you're catch and releasing, you take the hook out in the water, right? And those of you that are fly fishermen, you know, you take it out in the water. And then I understand, haven't done this yet, but you hold the fish in the water until his equilibrium comes back. And then you release him and he'll, he'll go away and, and he'll survive okay. And I, I didn't know that, but the reality is, the reality is letting a person off the hook isn't much easier than getting a fish off the hook. It's a tough process. And when I say that total forgiveness is letting somebody off the hook, I want you to know I don't expect that it's easy, but it's vital that we master this art. Let me give you three descriptions of what this looks like in a practical way. If I'm going to let somebody off the hook, it means this. Firstly, it means that from my perspective, from my influence, they won't get caught or found out. 
That's tough. They won't get caught or found out. Secondly, it means this. Nobody will ever know what they did. And then thirdly, this is probably the toughest one. It means they will prosper and be blessed as if they had done nothing wrong. They will prosper and be blessed as if they had done nothing wrong. Now, let me just stop right there and offer a caveat. I am not talking about people that have broken the law. They are serial criminals. And, and they have done something that needs to be prosecuted by our, our authorities. Okay, I'm not talking about that kind of a thing. There are people that if they are likely to go on and offend again and again and again, continue victimizing people, they need to be stopped. All right? But at the end of that process, we as individuals have to come to the place where we in our hearts let them off the hook and choose not to keep prosecuting them either in our fantasy life or in the practical way that we deal with them. And in terms of of other things that aren't illegal or immoral, they're just hurts that we've suffered from one perspective or another. It's important that we learn that from our influence, they won't get caught or found out. Nobody will know what they did. They will prosper and be blessed. Now, why do I say this? Because these are extreme statements, right? Why do I say this? It's because of this. Jesus could have looked at all of those people standing at the foot of the cross, mocking them. And he could have said, I forgive you. But he didn't. He prayed that the Father would forgive them. Huge difference. Because he was praying that the Father would let them off the hook, that they wouldn't be punished for crucifying the Son of God, that they wouldn't be shamed for crucifying the Son of God, And most importantly, he was praying that the Father would bless them and prosper them. Think about this. Many of those people that were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus were probably present on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached his brilliant sermon and 3,000 people made the commitment to become followers of Jesus Christ. The very people that crucified Jesus eventually became some of his followers. That's what total forgiveness looks like. And friends, it seems so unfair that we would let somebody off the hook to that degree. But isn't that exactly what God has done for us through Jesus? Think about this verse from Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far the Lord has removed every wrong thing you've done, every wrong thing I've ever done. And this is what I know. Sin that is under the blood of Jesus will never be exposed. It will never be punished. And God promises to prosper and bless you and me as though we've never sinned. And that's the standard that he calls us to. Now listen, let me be really honest to you. Some of you accuse me of oversharing when I teach, you know, and I realize that I'm guilty of that. 
And uh, I could probably overshare today and tell you all the horrible things that I've ever done in my life. I, I could probably just expose myself to all of you, but the truth is my mom is here today and there's things I don't want her to know. <laughs> but listen, you and I both have secrets. You and I both have things we don't want people to know. And through the grace of Jesus, he promises never to expose us. He promises never to punish us. And he blesses us and prospers us as though we've never sinned. Here's what Colossians chapter 3 says. It says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now let me tell you what this looks like. On the back of your note cards, there's a shaded area, and I just want to quickly go through two lists. I want to tell you what total forgiveness is not, and I want to tell you what total forgiveness is, what it really looks like. Because when we talk about forgiveness, sometimes we get some wacky little pictures in our minds of what it looks like. And, and I want you to have a clear picture. So uh, I don't have time to go into every one of these details, but uh, I'll give you an overview, and then we're going to unpack this over the next six weeks. Total forgiveness is not, number one, it's not approving of what they did. And on this list, on your note cards, there's some scripture references you can look up on another time if you want to dig into this deeper. It's not approving of what they did. Secondly, it's not excusing what they did. It's not justifying what they did, meaning it was okay for them to do it. That's not what it is. It's not denying what they did. The fifth thing is probably the most important thing. Total forgiveness is not forgetting. Now, you, we've, we've all heard that phrase, forgive and forget, right? Uh, that's going to be one of my topics, one of the weeks that I teach. I'm going to be talking about forgiving and forgetting. But the reality is, I'm just giving you a preview, it's impossible to forgive and forget. You can't forget. Love doesn't erase our memories, right? And the truth of the, the matter is, God doesn't literally forget our sins, Hebrews 8.12 says, uh, the Lord says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And, and here's what I want you to get out of this. Forgetting is passive, meaning it just happens to you, right? Chris has a, a memory like a steel trap. She can say, remember that day in 1989? I remember that green shirt you were wearing and I remember the smell of your cologne and, uh, you know, and she can go on and I don't even remember what country I was in in 1989, you know? <laughs> Because um, my memory just goes. But forgiving isn't forgetting. Forgetting is passive. Choosing to not remember means I don't call it up into my mind and rehearse it over and over and over. So forgiving isn't forgetting. It's choosing not to remember. Uh, the next one, forgiving is not pretending that we're not hurt. There's something going on in our culture, and it's been in our culture for a while, but everybody says, I just want to be real, you know. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. And then all kinds of venom pours out of our mouths, right? Okay? And so if I talk to somebody about forgiving and letting it go, let somebody off the hook, they said, well, I just can't do that. I just have to be real. Okay? Well, forgiveness is not pretending. 
but we'll get to what it is in a second. But it's also not refusing to take the wrong seriously. Because some wrongs need to be addressed. They need to be corrected. Yesterday, uh, Chris and I were kind of having a stressful day, and uh, I got my feelers hurt at one point in the day, and, uh, and, and as we're going through the day, I'm thinking, tomorrow I'm teaching on forgiveness, I can't be mean to my wife. I'm teaching on forgiveness, I can't be mean to my wife. You know? <laughs> and finally, later in the day, I just couldn't let it go, so I sat down and I said, sweetheart, I, I just need to talk about what happened earlier. I just need to get this off my chest, right? And, and, uh, and we talked it out, and we're fine, okay? Really, we're fine. And... Um, <laughs> it's uh forgiveness forgiveness also is not removing the consequences of their actions sometimes there's natural consequences that come if you're forgiving it means you don't take those consequences away okay and then the last one and this is perhaps the most important Total forgiveness does not mean you have to reconcile with the person. And this is critical because sometimes we hold bitterness and unforgiveness towards people who have died. Sometimes we hold unforgiveness and bitterness towards people who have moved away out of our lives. We don't even know how to find them. And and, and sometimes we think, "I, I can't forgive because I can't reconcile with them. Well, it's not necessary to reconcile. Sometimes you have to forgive somebody that's still in your life, okay? You can let them off the hook. You can choose to let all those things happen that I talked about earlier. You can choose to really forgive them, but it doesn't mean you have to go on a vacation with them, okay? Reconciliation is not necessary to really, truly, totally forgive. So let me tell you what total forgiveness is. The first one is this. It's keeping no record of wrongs. It's keeping no record of wrongs. And that's right out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that describes what love is. And you know how it is. We keep lists, right? Especially those of you that are in a committed relationship, we keep lists, right? And it's this and this and this and this and you did this at 9 o'clock this morning and you did this at 2 o'clock this afternoon and then this and this. And why do we keep lists? Because we want to use the list, right? When we forgive, we stop keeping the list. Secondly, total forgiveness is refusing to punish. It it means we're not going to use the information we have to make sure that person gets theirs. Thirdly, and this is one of the toughest ones, total forgiveness is not telling what they did. And again, if there's a situation in your life where you have to report to the authorities, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how we have a tendency when we've been wounded to go to everybody we know and just start telling exactly what they did and how unfair and how mean and how unjust and how could they do this. And we just tell everybody we know. And and for some people, it's just a running diatribe all the time. You haven't forgiven if you're still telling everything you know all the time. Total forgiveness is, what are we at, number four? It's being merciful being merciful. Let me give you a definition for mercy. I don't know if you have room in your notes to write this down, but merciful is not giving them what they deserve. Mercy means that you don't give them what they deserve. And then the next one, total forgiveness, is being gracious. 
which is different from mercy. Being gracious means that you do give them what they don't deserve. See, this is what God has done for us. He doesn't give us the punishment we do deserve, but instead he blesses us. It's incredible. And that's what total forgiveness is. Being merciful, being gracious. Here's the next one. It's so important to understand that total forgiveness is an inner condition. It happens inside of you. You decide, I am going to forgive. I'm going to let this person off the hook. I'm going to stop playing the tape in my mind. I'm going to stop fantasizing about what it will be like when they get theirs. I'm going to stop telling everything they've done. And it happens internally. And this is why it's not necessary for you to necessarily reconcile with somebody. And then finally, the last one, total forgiveness, is the absence of of bitterness. And the example of Jesus praying on the cross that God would forgive his executors is such a beautiful picture because, friends, bitterness is gone when there's no desire to get even and there's no desire to punish and it's when I don't do or say anything that would hurt that person's reputation in the community. And when I truly, from my heart, wish that person well, I wish for that person to be blessed and to be prospered. That's when you know bitterness is gone. Might be a very long road, but you can do it. You can do it. Let me give you four very practical next steps, and then we're going to close. Next steps, number one. I'm using as a resource a book called Total Forgiveness. Uh, early, earlier this year, I was, uh, I was working with a good friend of mine who was struggling with unforgiveness. And I said to him that I would help coach him through the process of forgiveness. And, and one of the things I asked him to do was to read some books about forgiveness. And this is one of the ones that I suggested that he read. It was something I had never read. And in the process of our meeting together, he said, Russ, this book is so phenomenal. You need to teach this stuff to our whole church family. Everybody needs to know this stuff. So I got the book myself, and, and it has helped me more than I, than I can even tell you how, how much this book has helped me. So I've bought 30 copies. Uh, I, I hope we don't run out. But if you want to go deeper, if forgiveness is something you need to work on, I want to encourage you to pick up this book. They're back there. They're $10, which is a little bit less than they cost me to buy. But uh, they're $10. Pick one up. And what I'd like you to do this week is to read the introduction in chapter one. And it will take you a little bit deeper. And then each week we'll have a reading assignment out of this book. Now, if, if you can't do that, no, no guilt, just love, all right? It's just a resource to help you go deeper if you want to. But you can pick those up. Uh, that's next step number one. Next step number two is this. I want to ask you to memorize Ephesians 4, verses 30 through 32. And this is why I printed the whole thing out on your card, which made your card kind of cramped. But uh, it's all on your card. And I would like to suggest this week that you memorize these three verses because I believe that if the Scripture can get into your head, it's more likely that your heart's going to do what your head's telling it to do. All right? So I want to encourage you to, to memorize these scriptures. In fact, I'd just like you to read this with me one more time. If you've got your card, would you read this out loud with me? And if you don't have a card, look on with your neighbor, okay? 
Read this with me. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Memorize that this week. That's next step number two. Here's number three. We had a great opportunity, and I just think this is the Lord's timing. I got an email. I'm part of a ministerial association in the community. And this Thursday night, there's a seminar at the Belgrade United Methodist Church called From Grief to Forgiveness. And I've made copies of this invitation. They're back on the Welcome Center if you want to pick this up, pick one up. It's this Thursday night, and it's being taught by a former pastor whose son was murdered. And he made a relationship with his son's murderer that went so deep that he totally forgave this man and argued for his parole. The murderer got out on parole and this pastor has helped him get work and make something productive out of his life. And he's going to be sharing his story and sharing with you the steps and and the process of total forgiveness. And so I I want to encourage you, if if you're able to attend, be cool if we fill that church up with connectors. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then number four, I want to ask you to come back next week and come back the next six weeks as we just unpack what it means to be totally forgiven and to pass that on. Forgive one another as Jesus has forgiven you. Let me just ask you this, as you put your things to the side. Let me ask you this. What would it be like for you to be free from the hurt? Scientists tell us that people who don't forgive are more susceptible to disease. They don't sleep well. They don't eat well. They don't have healthy relationships. They're deeply troubled people. Do you know who benefits the most from forgiving? It's you. What would it be like if you could be free from the hurt? Will you take the next steps of letting someone who has wounded you off the hook? Would you stand with me? Bow your heads and pray with me, would you? Jesus, as I've been teaching, I've been looking around this room and I see the emotion in lots of eyes. And I know, Jesus, that so many of us have been deeply hurt. We've been wounded. Some of us have been wronged in ways that are unspeakable. Others of us, Jesus, quite honestly, have just held on to a hurt for far too long that just needs to be released. But Jesus, I I know that forgiveness is never easy and it's tempting for people in leadership positions to trivialize the hurts and pains of people under their care. And, And today, God, I want to ask you to help me never to trivialize someone else's pain. But today, Lord, as a church family, help us together to walk through this process of forgiveness and help us, Jesus, all together, collectively, to let people off the hook who have wounded us. 
Help us to let it go. Help us to make the commitment, Jesus, that we will stop speaking ill of people. Help us, Lord, to stop playing those tapes in our mind. And Jesus, I want to lead us in a prayer, Lord, that you will bless and prosper the person that has hurt us. Father, bless and prosper them. They probably don't even know what they did, but just bless them and prosper them, Jesus. And I pray that you will heal us. We pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Now, will you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment? As I've been talking today, you might be here and and you've heard about this extraordinary promise that God will forgive you of all the rotten things that you've ever done and Maybe you have never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus in your own life. Before we move on with the rest of our events for today, I would like nothing more than to be able to lead you in a prayer of receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. And let me tell you, it's real. I can't can't even describe to you the freedom that I live in because I know that Jesus will never expose me. Jesus will never punish me. Jesus will bless and prosper me because he paid it all. And so if you need to experience that this morning, I would love to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out or make you come up here. None of those things. I would just love to pray with you. And if you need to receive that forgiveness this morning, would you raise your hand real high so I can see you? And I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Hands going up all over the room. Now, can we all pray this together out loud? Would you pray this with me? And if you're raising your hand, would you pray this from the depths of your heart? Lord Jesus Christ. I know I've blown it big time. The Bible calls it sin. I'm a sinner. But I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me. Wash me with your blood. The blood that represents punishment. The punishment you took in my place. And I say yes to you, Jesus. I say yes to you, Jesus. And I know that as I pray, you're washing me clean right now. Transform me from the inside out. And change me forever, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to change direction just a little bit bit from what I planned. Um, I just feel like we just need to sing to Jesus. And I was going to do something a little different. I I just feel emotion that comes out singing. I don't know if you're like me, but I I sing. And uh, Vic, would you lead us in that song, Show Me Your Glory? And would you just sing to Jesus? And if you need to stop singing... And say some things from your heart, you can do that. But let's just connect with the Lord and then we'll move on to the rest of our stuff, okay? But let's just sing.